You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. A full schedule does not equal a full life. In the middle of our busy, stressed out, overwhelmed lives, it can be hard to stop, rest, and care for ourselves. And to be honest, it feels a little selfish. Join us this Sunday for a new series called Put Your Mask On First, A Selfless Guide to Self-Care. All right. Good morning. It's good. Hey, are you excited to be here this morning? Good. Me too. Me too. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox, and it is. Um, this is like a is a breath of fresh air for me to be here with all of you. I hope you're feeling the same way. Because when we get together, when we do this thing, church isn't just something that you go to, right? You don't just go to church, you be the church. And when you get together as a church, there's something that happens in us, right? I think that we it's it's exciting. Like we get to celebrate, we get to see that God is still good. He's good in our lives, but he's good outside. He's doing, he's doing good things when we've just been dragged through the mud all week long. Maybe you've gotten kicked in the pants this past week. It's good to come here and put your mask on and start breathing in his goodness, breathing in his, in his life and being with all of man, all your brothers, all your sisters, uh, the people that are, that are here with you to worship and celebrate. Um, if the kids aren't already gone, they might be. So uh, you can leave now. Parents, if you're new around here, Journey is our kids' program. It's for birth through sixth grade. There's something going on for them right now. If you don't know what I'm talking about but would like to know what I'm talking about, you can head out those doors and ask a few questions, get your kids signed up for Journey. Uh, It's some of the best hours of my kids' week, and uh, I'm just thankful for all of those those workers back there that are not only giving you a break but investing in the next generation, uh, giving them a great hour. So we're thankful for them. Yeah, let's give it up for them. You can do that. Let them hear you. Thankful for them. All right. Um, Well, we are going to do something right now in these next few moments uh, that I don't want you to jump to because I want to explain it first uh, that those of us that call Paradox our home, who love Jesus and are following him, trusting him with every single thing that we own, uh, that is called our offering time. Now, maybe you've heard of this before, but you're not quite sure about how it all goes, uh, or you're like going, man, I came to church and already they're asking me for money. Don't worry, all right, this is not a moment for you. When the buckets get picked up and passed over uh, down the aisle, just please feel free to let that pass you by, all right? This is a moment for those of us, as I said, who call Paradox home who trust Jesus with every single thing. Not only do we recognize that his breath is in our lungs and so we're giving it back to him, but he is the giver and the maker of every good thing in our life. So we go, yes, God, we trust you. We trust you and we give it back. We put you first in our lives and that's an act of worship for us. So we thank you for your partnership. We thank you for your joyful generosity in this moment. I know a whole lot of you are doing that online already. You've just set things up uh, and you don't even have to think about that on Sunday morning other than to just think about it right now. So 
think about that. Um, but thank you for all the different ways that you're doing that. You can do that right now, actually. You could, you could log online. Um, maybe you're familiar with something called Uversion, uh, which is an app that you can download. It's absolutely free. And it's not, you're not just going to get a bunch of ads and junk from Paradox uh, on your phone if you download that. It's actually a Bible app. So you can go on there, have the Bible with you at all times. You can just be like scrolling through your phone, whatever, you know, people do that all the time, right? But instead of reading fantasy football news, you could be reading the Bible. Nobody even knows. You could do, be doing your thing, right? So if you want to, though, you can download that. You can open it up if it's already on your phone, and you can go to the section called Events and find Paradox Church. We fixed all the glitches last week. You know, I was looking around, and everybody's like, what are you talking about? It's not there. It's there this week. So, yeah, we're good. Um, and you could go on there and find Paradox. You'll be able to see all of the announcements, things that are going on, but also follow along with today's message and find additional resources there. So last week, though, I already mentioned, um, we, Mike was up here, and he was continuing our series on putting our own masks on first, right? Because we've said that this is a selfless guide to self-care. Uh, so many of us are out there trying to do so much, whether it's for God or for others or even for ourselves, and we find ourselves just running on empty, that we don't do the important thing, the important thing, the life-giving thing first. And so we've been taking week by week some of these steps that we could take to put our own mask in life. Week one, we started talking about spending time with God. It's not too late. We issued a 30 by 30 challenge that we said, what would it look like if we as a group of people, as a church, committed to putting on our mask first by spending time with God every day? Would we find that there was actually life in that? And I've been hearing stories, like it's so cool to hear people starting to practice this and the life that's happening because of it, small groups practicing this together and the ways that it's bringing them together and there's like this shared accountability and excitement around it as people start to practice that thing. Uh, week two, this was a good one, right? We said, take a day off. You should have this rest day. God put limits in our lives and rhythms where we work for a while, and then we take a day off to just simply catch our breath and worship him and, and just praise. If you don't know what that looks like, go back and listen to week two. It was called rest and what that really looks like because you don't just have to read your Bible all day or sit on the couch. You can actually do things that bring you life. God intended it that way. Week three, we started talking about the other limits because some of us are trying to do so many things and say yes to everything because they're all good things, but that's not how God designed us to live. He gave us limits and things to do. Yes, last week, Mike said he also, God has also not designed us to try to do all these things alone, but he gave us help to do that. There are people that God has put in your life that as we receive help from them, it can actually be like a breath of fresh air for us. And we're not so exhausted and out of breath trying to run the race of life, but we can lean on each other and walk with one another. And it's actually like putting our own mask on as we receive help from the people that God has put in our life. It's not something that comes naturally, and a lot of times it's not even easy. But today we're going to move on to these life-giving words that God speaks. So as we, as we start to consider what, what words, how words could be life-giving to us, would you pray with me as we start? Father God, it is good. It's good to be here, God. We want to breathe you in, God. Every single breath in our lungs comes from you. You are the giver of every good and perfect thing in our life. So God, we want to receive everything, everything that you have. Father, I just pray against any anxiety, any worry, any stress, 
anything that we've carried in here today, any distraction, God, I just pray that, that phones wouldn't ring, that we would turn them on silent, God, and that you would stand against all the stuff of life as we just take and set aside this, these few moments to hear from you, God. Would you breathe life back into our tired souls so we receive every word that is from you, God. I pray that it would find just good soil in our heart, that it w- we would receive it, be open to it, God. Know that it is from you and know that it is in love, God. And as we, as we obey the things that you're, you're calling us to do, as we believe the truths about you, God, I pray that we would find so much more life than what we've, what we've been finding. God, this day is yours. This message is yours. Would you speak your truth and your life into our hearts today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you noticed, we've been talking about, you know, these little things that are in our pockets here, you know, they can be used for good and have a U version, but we also have these other apps, right? Facebook, Twitter, ah, the cesspools of humanity, right? I spend a ton of time on here looking, scrolling, seeing what everybody has to say. And there's a beautiful thing that's happened over the last 10 to 15 years uh, of my life. I'm old enough to now have, have been able to see this and remember a day when this wasn't true. But what Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these other social media outlets have, have introduced into our world is this one fact, that now, more than any time in history, every single person has a voice. And that could be a really great thing. I mean, I get to hear the perspectives of so many different people that I wouldn't normally have heard from. I I get exposure to so many different stories or thoughts and ideas that previously, even 20 years ago, there's no way I could have known. However, there's a dark side to this, right? Because not only do I have this exposure, but the exposure is kind of constant. There's always a message that's being shouted out at me from all different directions at all times. Now it's not just the morning news or the evening news, but it's the constant news. There are voices that surround us with advertising or messages or stories or pictures of the food that we're eating, all kinds of different things, right, that surround us at all times because we have given everyone a voice directly into our eyes and our ears. But not every voice is worth, uh, worth trusting or following, right? Uh, maybe, it, maybe it would be news uh, to, to you to say, I don't think that it is, but it doesn't take much scrolling down our news feeds to, to see that some voices are actually better than others. Like, some voices are kind of dumb, all right? So I, I wanted to share with you a few of the, I mean, maybe I'll let you decide. I won't judge. I'll just let you decide whether or not some of these voices are ones that you would like to base your life on and make decisions by. Uh, here are a few of the things found on Twitter uh, recently. If, if we look back, someone tweeted out, what's Obama's last name? I'm not even kidding, all right? For those of you that are wondering, it's Obama, okay? <laughs> All right, I'm not sure how this person got to the voting. Here's somebody that posted uh, something food. <laughs> they just made some synonym rolls. I'm not sure what that's a synonym for, but it looks good. It does look good. My mom got all these cookies, cakes, and snacks. I think I'm a diabetes. All right? <laughs> Must be rough. Maybe after you eat all those synonym rolls, you get beaties, all right? 
And if you, if you find yourself in that place, maybe go to Missouri, because apparently Missouri loves company. Hopefully it's not a travel agent. Someone says, I think math is a lie. Physics is a lie. If we use this in real life, we'd look dumb. Well, good thing you're not using that in real life. So they wouldn't want you to look dumb, man. Uh, similarly, what does a quarter till four mean? Like, why is it called that? Because a quarter is worth 25 cents, so why is it 15 minutes? Now, does it scare anyone else that that kind of makes sense? I'm like, I'm reading that, and I'm like, ah, I see your point, man. I see your point. This, this one is my absolute favorite, all right? This is, this is searching for a topic, all right? And many people, uh, the first person says, I love the smell of men colon. Mmm, mmm. The smell of your colon is in the air. I don't, I don't know if this is people tweeting about me or what, uh, but somebody says, I love it when a hot guy passes by me and leaves his colon smell. I do what I can, right? I do what I can. The smell of my dad's colon is so good. Clearly meaning cologne. But um, instead, we've got colon smell in the air. So... <laughs> These are some of the places that listening to the wrong voice can actually get us. And it can, in a way, it can produce and provide a lot of joy for us. But if we were to actually listen to these voices, it might not bring us to the same place of joy, especially when thinking about things like math or physics, okay? Because they are not, in fact, lies. Some voices are definitely better than others, but it seems like there's often the loudest voice or the closest voice that gets heard, not necessarily the most trustworthy voice. But with so many voices in our, in our world today, whether those be commercials or our friends or exposure to so many different perspectives, it can be hard to know which one to listen to, can it? Who's actually telling the truth? Whose views are actually most in line with reality? Who doesn't have some sort of spin or can guide us. Who can we trust anymore when everyone has a voice? And specifically, when we start thinking about making decisions for our lives, what's going on in a, in a spiritual growth sense of the word, when, when we're thinking about decisions and important ones, how do we know what voice we can trust? Especially when the things that are going through our minds, sometimes we would go, well, I, I don't know, is that me? How do I know if this is God's voice or if this is my voice, or maybe it's, maybe it's Satan's voice, or an evil one, or, or maybe this isn't any of those things, and we're just being way too spiritual about it. How do I know if it's just not like my parents' voice, or the voice of a past hurt, or experience, or a current fear, or my own desire? With so many voices, not only outside of us, but inside of us, it seems, how can we tell the difference between these voices? How do we know which is the best voice, the most trustworthy voice, the voice of God? Because we know that the stakes are high here, right? It's not just Twitter. It's not something that we can go on to, to delete. This, this is our soul, and these are our lives. And there are real consequences for when we start making decisions based on some of the wrong voices in our lives. It can lead us down bad paths. We make the wrong decisions for the wrong reasons. We say things and do things that we wish that we hadn't said because we do them based on maybe faulty information or misunderstanding or something that wasn't true to begin with. Some of us end up living with a whole bunch of regret or consequences that we wish we didn't have because of the voices that we made a decision based on. 
And we've all done that, right? There's not any one of us that would sit here and say, yep, I've gotten this right 100% of the time. No, that's actually why we worship Jesus and we look to him as our hope and, and we follow him because he is the only one that's been able to do this. It is hard. That's the truth. I wish I could stand up here and say, yes, I'm a pastor. And so uh, God just sends, it's, it's very clear on a post-it note every morning. It's like, David, this is what I'm saying to you. But the more we really start spending time listening and testing these different voices, trying them out, I would encourage you to do this, right? Many times people, people think that when it comes to Jesus, right, we have to just like blindly obey and do, no, you know what? You can feel free to practice, what if we practiced following Jesus together? What if we practiced hearing the voice of God together as a church and community of people where we would say, all right, I feel like maybe this is from God, and we run it through a little process that I'm going to share with you, but then we go and then we report back and go, well, how did it go? Like, when you actually listen to the voice of God, when you trusted him more than what your friends said or what you thought or you saw, how did that actually turn out? Was it indeed life-giving? more so than what listening to our gut or listening to bad advice or giving into temptation and living with those results would have been. Because God's words bring life. And this isn't having so many different voices is, believe it or not, not a completely new thing in the human experience. There have always been words of life from the beginning of creation, from the dawn of time. God's words have always brought life and other voices have led to places of death. I love what uh, Jesus' disciples say in John 6, verse 66 to 68, because they're faced with something very, very similar. Jesus is out there teaching. Many people are hearing his voice, and some of them hear that and go, Jesus, you're crazy, man. That's silly. You're clearly not in touch with the times. You don't know what you're talking about. That's a little bit too hard. I don't think you realize, Jesus, that people here, we live in the real world, and they look at, his te- at, at Jesus and they hear his teachings, and they start leaving. You know, all right, you get time to find another teacher. Find to listen, time to listen to another voice. And Jesus turns around to his closest friends and followers, and he says, all right, well, everybody around here is leaving. Nobody wants to listen to me. What about you guys? Are you going to leave too? And this is what his disciples say uh, in John 6, verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It's like, it's this declaration, right? This moment where we look at and we go, man, Jesus, I know you're saying something hard right now. It's not comfortable. It's challenging. I don't even know if I can do it, but where else am I going to go? Who else am I going to listen to? What else am I going to try? Because I know that the results of all of listening to all of these other voices is actually death. It's actually discomfort. It's, it's worse than it would be to just hang with you, Jesus, and listen to and follow you. And it's that declaration that God alone has the words of life for us. That there's so many different voices, but when God speaks, it brings life. Whatever he's saying, whoever he's saying, whatever, whatever it is, there's always been life. Genesis 1, we've been going through the book of the first couple chapters of Genesis. I don't know if you've realized that, but over the last couple weeks, we keep on going back to Genesis, in the beginning, in the beginning. And if you're familiar with the story, Genesis 1 records 
God saying words, God speaking. And whatever God speaks, whenever he speaks, life happens. God says, let there be life. And boom, light, boom, there, there's light. God says, well, let, there, let there be seas and, and oceans and mountains and land and birds. And whatever he says, boom, life happens. Creation, something starts that wasn't there before and it's better and more beautiful than what was before God spoke it into existence. God says, let there be. He speaks and life happens and God looks at it and goes, yeah, that's good. That's good. Then in Genesis 2, we we have God speaking some more and we've talked about that over the last couple weeks where God puts in limits and relationships and God speaks and he says, I want you to take a day off, right? I want you to have some limits in your life. I'm gonna give you helper and he looks at all of those things and yeah, man, when God speaks, he brings something else, and it's good, and it's life-giving. But God doesn't just speak in those ways. He didn't just speak in those times. He speaks to us here today. In fact, he's always speaking. And I would submit to you today that whether or not you, you, you believe that, I think there's something inside of every one of us that wants to. Maybe you, you've tried this before. You've been hurt before. You've reached out to God, and you feel like you didn't say anything. God is always speaking. He wants to speak with you and I more than we want to hear from him. He's right there, and he's speaking to our minds and our hearts, and I want to help us listen today because there are different kinds of masks that we can put on. We've been talking about this one, this one kind of mask in particular, right, where you, you put it on and you breathe in. But some masks, some masks will, will, will breathe in the good stuff, and there's other masks, right, that are designed to keep something bad out. Because sometimes putting on the mask is not just about what's coming in, but also what's not coming in. Maybe you're painting in the house, right? And you put this in so that you're not breathing in the toxic fumes around you. And if you went into that environment, you would breathe in the bad along with the good, and it would not be good for you. It would not be life-giving. In fact, something opposite would happen. There would be death to your body because of it. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a smoke, right? If, if there's a fire, right? Sometimes we, we put on a mask so that we can not breathe in the smoke that would be harmful to our bodies. Or if you get around somebody that's sick with a contagious disease, you would put this on so that the germs, the disease would not get into your body. And hearing from God actually requires us to put on that kind of mask. That when we go to him, we listen, we're actually putting on a mask and going, all right, I don't want to hear the other voices. I don't want all of that other stuff to get in. God, would you just let me breathe in what's, when, what's from you, and would you keep out the voices that are going to actually bring death into my life? In Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17, this is the first time that God actually talks about this kind of mask when it says this, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Don't go there. For in the day that you eat it, eat of it, you surely shall die. If you bring that into your body, if you listen to any other voice but what I'm saying to you right now, there's going to be bad consequences for you. All the goodness, all the life, all the perfection, that all the beauty that is around you, if you let something outside of what I've given you in, it brings death. And what God is saying in, the, in this moment where he says, where he speaks and says, I want you to put on this kind of mask. 
want you to put this on first. It's, it's saying, I want you to guard. Guard what comes into your, into your body. Guard what comes into your mind and your heart and your eyes. And in doing so, you put on this mask. Proverbs 4.23 says it this way. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Do you know that every single action, every attitude, everything that you do in a day comes from some place of deep-seated belief? We call it a worldview or a perspective, right? The words that you said just have it like, what if we paid attention and said, man, why did I do that? What lie is in there? What hurt? What experience from the past? Because everything that we do comes out of some place in our heart, whether we are aware of it or unaware of it, whether we've explored it and, and turned over the, the rocks that are, that are in there or not, which is why it's important for us to guard what gets in there. Because what's in there has a way of coming out into our actions. And not only can we make decisions, bad decisions for ourselves, we can hurt other people. We can bring more death, destruction, unrest, chaos to the world. What if we were all acting out of God's truth that was inside of us that was going to bring more life, not only to us, but to the people that are closest to us and to the, to the rest of the world? That's, the, that's what's up for grabs. That's what's at stake. Up until now, God is the only one that has spoken. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, it's just God speaking. And he's just bringing life as he does. And, and things are good. But... As we turn the chapter and get into Genesis 3, another voice is about to enter the conversation. And it's not a voice that loves you and wants good for you and has intentions of good. No, it's one intent on bringing death. John 10.10 10 actually identifies this voice when it says that there is an enemy, a thief, who comes not to give you life and, and good things, but to steal and kill and destroy Jesus says that he, on the other hand, has come that you may have life and have it abundantly. We get those ones switched, though, right? Sometimes we think about hearing from God. It's like, oh, man, I don't want God to speak into my finances. I don't want God to speak into my relationships. I don't want God to speak into this area of, of addiction or something that I love doing. Because if God comes and speaks into that, oh, here comes the wet towel, Jesus. He's going to steal something from me. He's going to kill all my joy. He's going to destroy the fun and the things that I've built for myself. Right? We, we think that Jesus comes into our life speaking, saying, all right, I'm here to steal, kill, and destroy. No, there's another voice that actually wants all those things for you that is actively working and trying to steal and kill and destroy what God has for you, which is good and life-giving. This story picks up in Genesis chapter 3. If you want to turn there with me, maybe you're in you version. Maybe you brought a Bible, or if not, you can follow along on the screen as well. The story is recorded in Genesis 3, picking up in the very first verse. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You won't surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes 
and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So I just want to I point out a few characteristics of the, of the other voice that we see in these few, few verses here. Because there is another voice, right, that, that intends evil, that wants harm, that is going to steal and kill and destroy. And the first one is this, the first few uh, verses here. The serpent is more crafty than any other beast of the field that Lord God had made. There's a craft involved. Do you know, when, when we use the word craft, right, if somebody has a craft, someone's making arts and crafts, if you want to talk about craft beer as opposed to any other kind of beer, right, there's an intentionality and a specialty that's involved in craft. And the, the craft of this voice, the craft of the enemy, is deceit, is good at it. It's not haphazard. It's not obvious. It's not weak. In fact, there is much thought and planning and intention that goes into figuring out just how to deceive each one of us. I hope I'm not sounding way too scary, but it is scary. It's not the kind of thing that we can hide our, our, our heads in the sand and go, I don't want to think about that, and then it'll go away. No, there's actually an enemy that's intent on stealing and killing and destroying, and he's thinking through methodically how, just how to do it in your life. The voice of death is subtle. It's sneaky. It can even be a familiar voice in your life. And it's one that actually intends evil. It's crafty. And it's deceiving. Here's the other one. The voice of death is full of doubt. Full of doubt. Listen to that, that phrase that, that, he, that the serpent whispers at first. Did God really say? Did God really say that? Oh, did God say you were going to die? No, you're not really going to die. Maybe, maybe God's holding out on you. No, you're not going to be. You're actually going to be like God. See, I, I, I love it. First, first he comes at. Did God really say that? And she goes, No, that you actually have it wrong. That's not what God said. He says, No, no. Then, okay, I'm not going to question what God said, but I'm going to question the result of what God said. No, I know that God said that that's what's going to happen, but that's not really what's going to happen. I can think of a thousand examples here of, man, I know that God said it's better to give than to receive. I know that God said that there's life in forgiveness as opposed to holding on to. I know that God said fill in the blank, but is it, can he really be trusted with the result? That's the voice of doubt. If I trust God's voice in this, will I really see the result that he said? Because when we don't trust, when we're full of doubt, no, there's no way we're going to listen to his voice as opposed to any other. We want the result. We want the consequence. Here's the third thing. The voice of death will often appeal to real desire in us. And it's not always bad desire. Sometimes it's a good desire that this voice will play on in us to get us to a place of disobedience, which comes next. Eve looks at, at, at this apple. She looks at what it is that she's being presented with, that this voice is describing, and she, says, she goes, man, it looks good for knowledge. It looks like something that would be good. We run into all kinds of problems, see, when we start trusting in what we see more than what God has already said. 
There's circumstances that surround us all the time where we look at it and we would go, no, I, I see that this would be good and it's actually a good desire in me. And taking that step, why would that be a bad thing? God, why don't you want me to have knowledge? Why wouldn't you want me to be more like you in this way? The problem is that our, our sight is, is pretty impaired. God, who sees it all, has said things to us for our benefit, and instead we go, no, I, th- I think that I see everything. I see the whole thing. I see the beginning. I see the end. I see all the undertones and subtleties here, and we make our decision based on what we see and our desire instead of what God is actually saying. It's funny that, w- that Eve is looking for wisdom and knowledge and truth outside of what God has said when the reality is that she already had wisdom, Right? She's looking for wisdom, but she's already got wisdom. And it's a different kind, but it's the worst kind. It's not the better voice. Eve already has the wisdom of hearing from God who is wisdom. The Bible says elsewhere that if anyone needs wisdom, we ask God for it. We want to hear from him because that's the wisest thing that we could possibly have. She's looking for it somewhere else. And in the process, she, she does get something. She got something. She got the worst thing. Makes decisions based on what we see more than what God said. Leads to disobedience. When we doubt, when, and when we operate just out of what we see, out of our desire, it leads to disobedience. And the thing is, sin will always, this has been said many times, sin will always take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you wanted to pay. This was, what happened was not the desire of Adam or Eve. It was not the desire at all. Did they, get, did they get what they desired? Yeah, they did. But it came with a whole lot else. It came with unintended consequences. And that's what our disobedience often does. We start listening to the wrong voice. We start operating just out of what we see, out of desire or out of doubt or out of something that's straight up a lie, deceit. And we end up disobeying what God has already said, and we end up going a lot further than we wanted to. It ends up keeping us a lot longer than we wanted to be kept. It costs us way more. It ends up with division between us, right? Because that didn't just stay with her immediately. Now what she has taken in, what she has listened to, what she has received, she turns around and hands off to the people that are closest to us. Isn't that how it works in your family too? I know that when, when I'm operating out of a lie, when I've got doubt, when I'm disobeying something that God is telling me to do, that affects me on the inside, and what I end up doing is handing that off to the people that are closest to me. And it results in some of the same things in them. It results in division in our family. We're, we don't just live in vacuums. We don't live in silos. No, we actually have an impact and in, in, in influence on the people that are around us. So it's important that we, we don't just watch what's going into us, but in doing so, we're actually thinking about what's, what's going to come out of us into the lives of the people around us. And the result is ultimately death. I love the way that Proverbs 14, 12 puts this. There's a way that seems right to man, to people, to all of us, right? When we're looking at our desires, when we're looking at our doubts, which sometimes are legitimate, right? I'm not telling you don't have doubts. It's okay to have doubts. But are you only listening to the voice of doubt or are you turning to another voice? Because when we only pay attention to these things, the result 
is death. There's a way that seems right to us, but in the end, it leads to death. And that's not what we wanted in the first place. We wanted to hear from God. We wanted more life and beauty and goodness in our lives and in our family and in our church and in the world. But if every single one of us wants to, whether we realize that or not, why does it seem like it's so difficult? The question isn't, do I want to hear from God, right? Because we would all say, yes, get to the point already, Dave. The question is, how do you do that? How do we tell the difference between all these voices, the good ones and the bad ones? Knowing the difference is, is called something. It's called discernment. Discernment is being able to say, that's a good one, that's a bad one. That's the right one, that's the wrong one. And it's something that we can all do as we practice it. We practice discerning God's voice. And thankfully, God has told us how to practice discerning, hearing the life-giving voices and putting on this mask in our lives. Romans 12, 2. It's a pretty famous one uh, in, in the Bible. You may have heard it before. Uh, but Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. So in other words, don't just do, see, think, ask, question, like whatever it is, don't just go with the flow of what everybody else is doing, the things that seem right to everybody. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, by guarding your heart and your mind, by changing the way that you see, by changing the voice that you listen to, listen to by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the way that we renew, we start thinking differently is by testing different voices, discerning these different voices to see which the good one really is. Because we all know this, right? Not everything that you think, feel, or see is real. And it's also not, from, not necessarily from you. We operate, you know, like we've rejected the idea that there's a cartoon angel and a cartoon devil on each one of our shoulders, and we think that there's just me. Like, every thought that I think is just from me. So when I, when I start thinking that I'm a loser, I'm a nobody, that that's me, I want to submit to you, no, that is not necessarily from you. Remember, there's a lot of voices out there. Sometimes it comes subtly, deceitfully, craftily, in order to get you to believe that. So how do we know when it's not us, when it's something else entirely, or when it's God? Well, we test it. How do we discern God's voice? We test. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, but test everything. Test everything and hold on to what is good. I hope you test this message. I hope you test the thoughts that come into your mind. Right? We do this when we, when we have like political debates and stuff. We have a fact checker right afterwards. Well, let's see what was good, what was real, what was true. What if we trained our mind to, on, to always be doing that? All right, we're going to test everything. What's good? What's real? What's true? Test everything and start asking, well, does it pass the test? Does it pass the test? I'm going to give you four words for how to test everything. Spoiler alert. They're going to spell test. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Here's how to test everything, every voice that comes into your mind, every, all the things in life. First one is this, the truth of Scripture. Does it pass the test of what God has already said? God does not contradict himself. God doesn't say one thing one day and go, you know what? I really was in a bad place yesterday. I wasn't thinking things through properly. Uh, I've changed my mind. And I know I told you forgiveness was a good idea yesterday, but in this situation today, 
probably not. No, that's not the way it works. What has God already said? So when Eve sees this serpent and hears this new voice, that's where, that's where it starts, right? Did God really say that? Because if God already said it, then it's true and we could take it to the bank. Oh, he's got to try to get her to say, like, no, I don't, I don't know what God already said. This is why it's actually important for us to be in this thing, because this is a book full of the experiences, the wisdom, right, the, the God sightings, all kinds of things for thousands of years that God has already said to his people. It's been tested. It's been approved. It's, it's, it's there. And so you know, if it's in these pages, God has said it. And he's going to continue to say it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can take this to the bank. The truth of Scripture is the foundation. The word has the final word. It's one of our isms here at Paradox. Everything goes back to what has, what has God already said. If you're wondering about what to do next, what the next step is, I want, I want to encourage you to go back to the first thing that God said. What is, what is he saying in, in the Scriptures? What is already true? We don't have to come up, we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. That's why it's important for us to be in this book. That's why it's important for us to get it not just here or onto our phones, but into our minds and into our hearts. Meditation is big right now. I think that's awesome. You know what we should meditate on? This stuff. Like what if you just, when you, when you spend time with God in the morning and something stands out at you, you just keep on going back to that all day long. You just think about that. Think about that because then when something happens in your life, you can go, no, but God, you, you said you were going to be with me today. So I don't have to doubt whether or not you are, right? I know that you are. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I know that you are. Or God, you said in your scripture that you're good. Right now, I don't experience that. It doesn't seem like you're good. I'm going through some nasty stuff. I don't think you understand, but I know that you're good. I'm not going to question that. The truth of Scripture is the starting point, the foundation, because as 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. Just, just picture that. Like, th these words are God going, it's his voice. It's his words being inspired and written down. And when God speaks, what happens? Life, Right? God's words bring life, and God's scripture is breathed out by God. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, we don't always like it, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's what it's there for. The truth of scripture. Here's the second one. The example of Jesus. So we start with what the scriptures say, and then we look specifically at Jesus. One of my favorite books in the world is a children's Bible called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Go on Amazon today and get it if you don't have one at your house, even if you don't have kids. I guarantee you, you will cry. It's awesome. I cry all the time, specifically when I read this book. But in this book, every single story, it's actually the tagline of the book, every story whispers his name. Everything in all of history, every story in this book, in this this book, the experiences of the people in it, the words that are, that are written down in it, all of them point to Jesus. Hebrews 1 puts it this way, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. These are, these are people that are speaking God's words on his behalf. But in these last days, 
he has spoken to us by his son. You want to know what Jesus, what, what God thinks? You want to know what God feels? You, know what, you want to know what God would do in your situation? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus feel? What did Jesus say? What did, we look ultimately at Jesus because he is the image of God. He is the fulfillment of every single thing about him. He is the perfect representation of God here on earth. And if we want to know how to follow God, how to live life, his intended, how to hear his voice, then we just, we need to know, look no, no further than Jesus. He's the one. So yeah, we can, we can flip through the pages of the Old Testament, but ultimately, we, when we see something, and then we're like, man, it's in, I, I started with the truth of Scripture, but I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. What am I supposed to do? We flip over here to the New Testament, and we go, all right, well, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? How did Jesus interpret that? The example of Jesus is our second way that we can know, right, what God is doing, what God is saying. Here's the crazy thing. When, when, when Eve is, is walking around out there, just passing by this tree, we stick with Jesus. And I don't, the crazy thing about this story is that I don't see Jesus there. The scriptures tell us that all the time, you know, God is walking with, with Adam and with Eve, you know, in the cool of the night, and they're walking. And I have a hard time believing that in those walks, Jesus is walking them right by that tree, you know, like getting closer and closer every time. There it is, guys. You see that? No, they actually, I believe, went further, outside of the boundaries, further than they had ever gone before. And they go, they, and they find this tree, why this is important? Because the example, like, where did God take them before? Where was God in this? They're walking now, not with him, but on their own. And Jesus says that he's a good shepherd, right? There's this other, there's this other story uh, in John 10, verse 27, where Jesus is kind of saying that he's like a shepherd, and we're like his sheep. And he says that we, his sheep, hear his voice, and he knows us, and we follow him. That's one of the things that I'm seeing in this is as Adam and Eve kind of go out on their own, they don't follow the example of God. They don't follow the example of Jesus. They go out on, on their own way. And in the process, they run into some trouble. They get a little lost. They start hearing a voice because they got further and further away from the voice that they came to know and trust and follow. And now they're hearing a different voice. The truth of Scripture the example of Jesus, walking with him, following him. Here's the, here's the third one, the Spirit's leading. There's the truth of Scripture, there's the example of Jesus, and then there's the Holy Spirit, who the Bible tells us comes to live inside of every single one of us. When you say, Jesus, I trust in what you did on the cross, that that was for me, and I give you my life, I give you my sins, and I want to exchange everything I am for everything that you are. In that moment, we call it salvation. That you're saved from the consequences of who you are, who you have been, and what you've done. And now, actually, Jesus himself, God, comes to live inside of you in the form of a Holy Spirit, and he leads you into all truth, and, and he brings things to mind in certain times. Many times it's going to sound and feel like your own voice. That's how intimately God knows you. That's many times how he will speak. But the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, guiding, comforting, teaching, correcting. And so the Spirit is going to lead you to do 
or say certain things. That still small voice that sometimes maybe it's even an intuition, right? I don't know why, but this, this thought entered my mind at just the right time. I didn't know what I was going to say, and then you know, th- this verse popped into my mind. That's the Spirit's leading. Well, how do you know what the Spirit's leading? That seems really subjective, doesn't it? It seems subjective to me, so I need a little bit more help. Uh, and part of the way that we can determine, discern what the Spirit's leading, what the Holy Spirit is saying, is by the fruit that it produces. And this is, this is the serpent's appeal, right? No, no, you're not going to die if you listen to my voice. You know a tree by its fruit, right? But the fruit tells you something about the root, or what it produces actually shows you where it's coming from. So if we want to know, all right, is this the Holy Spirit, or is this me, or is this, is this the enemy, or some other voice? Well, let's look at what it produces in us. When we have a thought, when we hear a voice, what does that produce in you? Galatians 5 speaks to this. If you could flip over to Galatians 5, verse 16 to 22, and it says that we are supposed to walk by the Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things, from doing the things you want to do. We want to do the right thing. We want to follow God. But there's this other voice, like there's this battle that wants to keep us from doing that, right? But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So things that are coming from not the Holy Spirit, here's the, here's the fruits, the works that are produced. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Before you get too hopeless about that, right? There's an ongoing pattern. When when the Bible says those who do these things, those who don't recognize, man, that's not from God, and I've been doing those things, and I'm going to stop doing those things. Like, you can't walk into life when you're continually choosing the voice of death. That's what's here. So don't get hopeless because every single one of us has done things on this list. It's not an exhaustive list either. But the, the, the point is when we're not listening and being led by the Spirit, it leads to bad places. This is the fruit of it. But on the other hand, the fruit of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is speaking, what does that produce? Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Walk in these things, these promptings. When you you have a thought, does it produce joy in you? Does this thought or this action, is that going to lead to more patience, more peace? I tell you, when you start looking at the fruits, like what, what is this going to produce? You go, no, that, there's a good chance that the produce is showing you the root. The fruit is showing you the root. So take a look at what, what is this going to produce? That'll give you a good test and insight into where it's coming from, whether or not this is the Holy Spirit's leading or something else. So we look at the truth of Scripture. We look at the example of Jesus. We have the Spirit's leading inside of us. And then finally, there's the T. It's the teaching of the church. 
And I struggled with how to say this one, honestly, because I wanted, there was part of me that wanted to say, well, it's, it's, it's the trusted leaders in our life. But quite frankly, some of us have not put, got trusted, good trusted voices in our life. That's part of where the church comes in. If you, if you have voices from your past, in your reality, in your present right now, that may be speaking things that aren't life-giving into you, just because you know them or they've been around the longest does not mean you should trust them. There's the teaching of the church, and the church is us, right? Who are the trusted spiritual mentors? The people that are walking with God with you. Because that's what Adam and Eve were, were to each other, right? They were walking with God together. Who knows you? Who's in your life? Who, who is there to remind you? This is what God said. Remember who you are. I love this, because if you actually look back in Genesis 2, do you know who wasn't there when this commandment to not go near that tree was actually given? Eve was not there. God says this to Adam. Now, I'm not saying that God couldn't have said it to Eve too, but one of the things that I think is more likely is that God says to Adam, hey, I don't want you to eat from the, from the fruit of that tree. And then Adam says to Eve, we're not supposed to walk, go over there and eat from the fruit of that tree. Because we're able, when we're following Jesus, we're walking with God together, we're actually able to point God and say, hey, this is something that God is saying. This is what we're doing together. It's the teaching of the church. And when we start listening to these other voices, it's when we start getting further and further away from hearing and responding to the voice of God. Now, maybe some of you have had people that aren't trusted in your life give you some sort of word or something like that. Hey, I, I really feel like God wants you to do this. It's easy. If you have a stranger in your life, somebody that you don't know well or doesn't know you well, come to you and say, hey, you should do this. Run it right back through that test. All right, well, does that line up with Scripture? Is that the example of Jesus? What's the Spirit saying to you? And then what do your trusted leaders in your life say about that? And I know it's hard to do this. I'm going to invite the band up here. So we're going to close uh, with, with one song that's, that's new, and I want to explain just a little bit of what we want to what we want to respond with in these final moments. It's hard to do that. It's hard to respond to God. It's hard to discern and test these voices because the doubts are actually real, right? We have real desires, and there are different voices that are actively trying to deceive us. And sometimes when we're in the middle of that, it's almost like these different voices and different circumstances start pressing in on us, and we feel the squeeze, and it gets harder and harder, and we're like, we don't know where to go or who to turn to or which way to go. But the words of this song are in the, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. See, God wants to bring something new in every single one of us. He's often doing that new thing by the things that he's speaking into our lives. And whether or not we respond to it will make all of the difference. The beautiful thing, though, about following Jesus is that even when we're crushed, even when we're pressed in, we are not broken we don't have to bleed because Jesus is the one that's already done that for us. We're not going to break when we follow Jesus. He promises that we won't because he already was broken on our behalf. And that's exactly what communion has come to represent for so many of us. It's this acknowledgement and this reminder that Jesus was broken so that we don't have to be broken. That Jesus' blood was poured out so that we don't have to experience the death that we should have. And instead, as we now have this opportunity to, to 
go straight to God. The veil was torn. We now can access God fully. His spirit can live inside of us. And when we respond, when we hear his voice, it actually fills us up. As we take communion together, if you're someone that has said, yes, I do, I trust that when Jesus died on the cross, that was for me. That blood was shed for my sins. His body was broken so that I wouldn't have to be broken. Our recog- we recognize and we declare, hey, this is me now being filled up by that instead of just poured out. So as we sing this song together, I want to invite you. There's communion tables and there will be people available for prayer, two in the front and a couple in the back. I just want to invite you to approach this table with that in mind, that no matter what's going on, no matter how you're feeling crushed and pressed, you're not going to be broken. Jesus is actually doing something. He wants to fill you up with his life, with his word, so that you don't have to experience death anymore. Would you pray with me? Father God, would you whisper to our hearts in these closing moments, as we look to you, as we remember what your son did, the death that he died, so that we could experience your life, would you tell us who we are? Would you show us what you're doing? Would you show us the new wine that you want to bring out of us in whatever circumstance you're speaking to, God? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.